What's going on, guys? UFC Vegas 38 recap. Gotta say, kind of unexpected. Not unexpected that all oh, we got all the fights right again. That is always the aim. But yeah, come on. Our expectations are to hit PRPs. Listen, I always say once a year, hit a nice big fat PRP once a year, make that big chunk of money all at once. Just like Chinese food restaurants. My friend used to own one. Uh, Chang, shout out to Chang. He's actually since passed away. He says, man, all year you just make enough money to cover. You know, every you're just paying your bills. You're paying your bills. You know, you lose a little money. You make a little money. And then there's a couple of times during the year, Cody, you make all the money. What times during the year, Chang? Super Bowl? Like New Year's Eve, Christmas, bang, bang, bang. People order Chinese food out the ace on those days. Usually one of the only things that's even open. Everybody loves Chinese food, how could you not? And uh, you that those are your chunks. So the PRP, you're trying to hit that PRP and boom, make your money in that one go. Back-to-back PRPs. Last week was a 13 hit. Goddamn, one dude on the Contender Series screwed me from a little four-hitter there. But then we come back on the Bellator and hit a seven on Bellator and then come back with another, should have been a 12, end up being 11 on the UFC. Like, uh, I'm not saying I'm the greatest by no means. We've got an incredible run of luck going right now. But, but, don't don't discount yourself, right? A lot of us put the research in as well and put in the hours and it's fucking paying off. So anyways, let's jump into things. This is a, a good one. Uh, starting off the card, we got Alejandro Perez taking on Johnny Eduardo. Wouldn't have wanted Perez as a top ticket guy just because he's, I don't really think he's all that good. And then on the other hand of things, Johnny Eduardo is a one-round fighter. So we're definitely on Perez. I think everybody's on Perez. But we know that the first round could be a little bit of a sweat just because he's really not all that good. And Johnny Eduardo has that one round. And so that's kind of how this one played out. They mentioned Alejandro Perez had had a layoff and he kind of reinvented himself. And he was now Turbo Perez now instead of El Diabate. He comes out and it was like, I don't know if he'd been training with Billy Blanks, Ty Bo, or with Richard Simmons. But it was just like the bounce, the bounce, the bounce, the bounce. And no substance. Like Johnny Eduardo just stood at distance and kicked his leg off. Nothing really happens in that first round. And I'd probably score for Eduardo. But first round ends. Eduardo didn't land the big right hand. He's actually close a few times. But when he failed to take out Perez in that first round, you just knew it was probably game over after that. Perez goes into the second, doesn't really want to stand with him as much. But again, it's Eduardo that initiates the scrambling exchange, and Perez ends up on top, takes him down, and uh, just gets a submission victory shortly thereafter. So nothing really totally unexpected in this fight. I think with Johnny Eduardo, he hadn't fought in three and a half years. He's 41 years old. And they build him as a BJJ black belt. But come on, dude had Muay Thai tattooed right across his chest and had very limited grappling skills. So I don't know what he does beyond this. He hadn't fought in a while. It's probably the last, his last go at it. Betch Cohea style, a little foreshadowing going on there. And with Alejandro Perez, like it wasn't even really that good of a performance, truth be told, but he was knocking off some ring rust. It's a win. It's a win in the right direction. And who are we to complain, right? We needed him to win. And he did exactly that. Stephanie Edgar versus Shana Young. Stephanie Edgar was a slight minus 130 favorite over Shana Young. And I didn't put much faith in this one. That's why it was lower down on the tickets. Like, I could have seen it going either way. But my inside guy, shout out to him again. Like, he always gives me this read. He doesn't send you, like, a pile of notes on six or seven different fighters. He'll send you just, like, a one-hot tip. This is your one hot tip. And they're always random. Let me tell you, they're always, like, the least person you'd expect on random cards. And they are money. And his whole thing here was that he knows Shana Young. While well, he had inside information, Shana Young recently had a child, hadn't really trained for this fight, wasn't going to be in great shape. Uh, and everything proved to be true. She looked extremely lethargic in there, like just 
she's normally someone that likes to put the pressure on, but the first round, she's just backing up, and Stephanie Edgar's beating her up, landing overhand rights, Chris one twos, leg kicks. Commentary team's talking about how improved Edgar's striking is, but it's really just Shana Young's not offering anything up here. In the second round, she comes out and tried to get a little bit after it, but again, with Edgar, great striker, no. Uh, great grappling, not, not really. But the one thing that she does have, her skill that is beyond most of the people in this division, is that she is a high-level judo black belt. And then, whereas, you know, head and arm throws, you sh probably shouldn't use them in MMA, you can still get away with them. You can still make them effective. And uh, she made them extremely effective. She had excellent tosses, threw to the mat when she wanted to, and then she just beat her up. Now, odd stoppage. I think a lot of people that had Edgar, this is the reason I don't love props and I prefer to just parlay people up, is uh, most people probably had Edgar by decision. Like, Shana Young's pretty durable, and Edgar's really not known for her finishing abilities, so you probably had Edgar by decision, and you're chasing it. <clears throat> it was plus 165, I believe. And so you got Mark Smith as the worst referee of all time, and Edgar smashes her with an elbow. She definitely does cover up. She definitely kind of half goes to her side like she is turtling up. But you don't stop the fight. She is defending herself. She's fighting. You said defend yourself. You, well, you said fight back specifically, but uh, what she's supposed to do, throw a punch off her back? No. So she rolled to her side, right? She covered up. She knew she got hit there, so she's covering up. I don't know. And she she protested it right away. So Smith's just a terrible referee. Again, this is another who am I to complain situation because I had Edgar. I needed Edgar to win. She got the job done, and she's minus 130, so that juices things up. Douglas D'Andrage versus Gaetano Pirello. On one hand, you want to love Douglas Andrage. Like, he's built like an absolute G.I. Joe action figure. Guy is shredded to the T. And he's got a legitimate skill set. Like, he, he's takedown defense. Well, he's a brick wall. He's just so physically strong. And as far as his striking goes, he's in your face, and he stays competitive. Now, his problem is, is that it's inactivity. He basically fights once a year. I think he's like 4-4 four and four in the UFC. But his losses are traditionally to very, very strong opposition. So it's hard to get the best read on him. And with Perello, well, what read can you really draw? He had looked decent on a Belgium regional scene fighting in, in Europe but not against elite level competition. And so far he's 0-1 in the UFC. So this is another situation that in hindsight, Andrade is a top ticket player. Holy shit, this guy had the goods. But looking back on it, you, you, there's a little bit of hesitancy there because they are going to both, they are going to stand and bang. He, I believe Andrade is now 36 years old and he fights once a year. So those are all the red flags, but it did none of that matter. He looked awesome. He looked awesome. First round knockout, breezed right through him perfect uh at this point we're three and oh but it's like we know we're gonna have a tough one on our hands now we got jamie malarkey taking on devin smith or, or Devonte smith sorry um <laughs> and i mentioned this on the preview show paul and i talked about this uh Devonte smith is a hell of a one-round fighter previously to the comma worthy knockout loss he had knocked out his three opponents in the ufc all with first round finishes he lost to comma worthy in the first round and he bounces back with a big win over justin james where he had his way the entire way through now here's the misconception about cardio these guys are in the gym and they can fight 25 minutes in the gym but when you're in the octagon if your opponent's not pushing you then you can still fight 25 minutes if your opponent puts a grind on you all of a sudden that 25 minute gym cardio turns into about seven minutes of octagon cardio you knew jamie malarkey had the real deal cardio why because he's already shown it to us before right he's got cardio for days he is a pressure fighter he's got heart and you had better shut off his lights or he's going to keep coming at you he spent his last two camps with alexander volkanovsky who <laughs> this is a poor man's version of alexander volkanovsky poor man's version don't give me too much heat on that but he fights in that same grit style where it's like he can wrestle he can strike any pressure 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 oh you zinged him oh you hurt him 
Oh, but he's not knocked out? Oh, that's going to be a problem because he's going to make his way back into this fight. They keep working. And that was the key here. He def- I wouldn't say he had a slow start. I thought Jamie Malarkey looked good in the first round. But Devontae Smith looked very good in the first round. He's very fast. Everything was on, on point. The first knee up the middle just missed Malarkey, and it could have done a lot of serious damage. The second knee up the middle did graze him pretty good, and it hurt him. Any of those could turn the tide of the fight. Any of those could have put him away. Good shots landed by Smith. But again, when he failed to finish him in the first four minutes, you saw right at the tail end of that first round, Malarkey presses, uh, lands a couple decent shots. He presses him up against the cage. He starts to work him a little bit. And right there, it was like, oh, live betting market. We talked about it on the preview show. Good live betting opportunity. After the first round, all he's got to do is survive. So this one went as according to plan, as according to plan could go. Plus, Jamie Malarkey was a slight underdog hit. Uh but we still got bounces. I mean, that knee up the middle, ooh, could knock it out, could knock him out. And then we look like fools. But I am very interested in laying my money on Jamie Malarkey in pretty much, well, let's see who they match him up against. But he's going to fight for your dollar. He's very well-rounded, and he's a junkyard dog. Those are our type of guys. With Devontae Smith, if they give him someone who's chinny, he's going to look like a million bucks, and I would be interested in betting him in that spot. If they if they put him up with another bang or someone with some durability, someone that's going to pressure him, he's 28 years old. He trains at altitude at Factory X Muay Thai, and he has not improved you know, the cardio aspect of his game. I would say it's not likely he's going to make any major strides there. So Malarkey moves forward, and unfortunately, Devontae Smith takes a step backwards. Carl Rosa versus Bechko Heya. This is our lock of the night. This is our number one play. <clears throat> I think she was on 5-1 to one, uh, when we did Bookie. Uh, why do I say that? 5-1 to one when we did the DOP podcast. But then uh, we... Where was I going with this? Yeah, sorry. I just keep getting mixed up with the names. She ended up going off with like a 7-1 favorite. But she's our lock of the night. And beyond that, because we're trying to improve the price tag a little bit on there, I did take a stab on that by decision. Carol Rosa is a totally well-rounded fighter. She puts damage on you. She's got good striking. She's got good takedown defense. She's got good cardio. She can keep going. You've seen in like the Laura Procopio fight, she lands 176 significant strikes. But all those fights still go did go the distance. So Betch has already announced her retirement prior to the fight. That very, very rarely goes well for fighters. You typically lose when you do a pre-fight retirement announcement. But we needed Betch to hold on, Betch Gohea to hold on. And she did. And I will thank her for that. But uh, beyond that, Carol Rosa just looked like Carol Rosa. Did exactly what she always does and looked very good doing it. And for Betch, she was just way slower, a tad bit behind in all the striking exchanges, but she showed some grit. Her body got annihilated. Those knees up the middle were just landing time and time again. Every time she would go to the tie clinch, she'd just land a set of knees straight up the middle of the body. And Betch would just punch her way out of it. She curled over a few times, but she fought her way back. Her eyes start to swell, but she fought her way back. And hats off to her. The UFC doesn't usually give veterans of the game an easy way out. And this was not one. What I would like to have seen like a Betch Gohea versus Roxanne Modafferi type fight. Those are the fights that these veterans should be getting. But <clears throat> you have a name and you're leaving the sport, well, we're looking to promote Carol Rosa, and that's what they did. So Carol Rosa is the one that takes a step forward, and if you know me, that's the fourth time we've now bet her in the four fights in the UFC. I think she's extremely well-rounded. I think that she's got a very high ceiling in this division, but uh, it's a division that's dominated by one of the best fighters of all time, so we'll, we'll, it's, it's, it's tough to get too far ahead, I guess. Casey O'Neill versus Antonina, Shep, Antonina Shevchenko. <sighs> this is another situation where you can't always listen to 10 different people's opinions because then you're going to start to get persuaded. I think everybody 
initially when this fight got announced, wanted Casey O'Neill. Why? Because this is striker versus grappler. You know that said striker, Antonina Shevchenko, is clearly not her sister. She does not have takedown defense. This is not a case of her last fight. It's a case of three of her last five fights. She can't stuff the takedown. And when she is on her back, her grappling is just not all that good. She's taking on somebody, right, who is going to probably take her down when she does take her down, will have a significant grappling advantage. It was just like a writing on the wall type situation. Like, wh- why Why would you go with Antonina? But then as fight week goes on and on and on, a lot of people blew me up to be like, straight up, you're wrong on this one. Watch out. Antonina is an excellent dog play this week because she's a significantly better striker. And if this fight stays standing, she will out strike her. Could be, could be. Honestly, I thought Casey O'Neill gave a pretty good account of herself standing, but this is another case of when she got in the tie clinch and got knee to the body. She had no answer for that tie clinch from Antonina. Antonina looked pretty good in the first round. Also, uh, it's a, like a bum takedown opportunity, but the fight hits the ground. Shevchenko puts her in this crucifix. It lands a number of good shots. Now, online, a lot of people are saying, oh, had Antonina just held that crucifix, 10 seconds more and the ref's going to stop it. You're wrong about that. You're wrong about that. O'Neal put herself in the, she's in a bad spot. She's in a crucifix. She strains up the arm. She gives herself some space. She takes a couple shots in order to get out of the position, but she fights her way out of the position. Why? Because she is a superior grappler. She loses the first round, sure, but she showed excellent cardio in her last fight against Laura Procopio, where she again lost the first round. But second in the third round, she keeps heating up. She's 23 years old. She's got gas for days. And you know what? Her father was a world kickboxing champion. Girl grew up running around the house acting like Phil Baroni, you know? She calls herself King Casey because it's king shit. Like, this girl is in... She's in it to win it, man. She wasn't going away for rounds two and three. And again, this is another good comeback from O'Neal. She made the adjustments in the second round. She knew she had the grappling advantage. She got this fight to the ground. And when she got to this fight to the ground, it was easy money because she had the significant grappling advantage. Uh, I've only been watching MMA since like 2005, 2006, but it's been around since 1993. And it's been proven since 1993. In a striker-grappler fight where the striker can't grapple, it's not going to go good. It almost never does. That's why wrestlers usually win. And jiu-jitsu is jiu-jitsu. Wrestler usually wins. But in this case, she had a slight wrestling advantage. She had the grappling advantage. It was just a matter of time before she got it there. So Casey O'Neill's got an extremely bright future ahead of her. I mean, she's a good-looking girl. She's marketable. She talks well. She speaks well. She's intelligent. She's extremely talented. And she's young. And they're already giving her these high-profile-type fights uh, don't don't throw her to the wolves quite yet, but I, I really like what I see out of her. I mean, she's still only, what, that was her eighth professional fight. Come on, that's some good stuff. And for Antonina, and that's a tough go. If the UFC wants to give her, like, you know, if she would, she's, she's going to fight other strikers, then it could be a fun little striking match, probably goes to desist, the distance, but she could be serviceable in those type of fights. But if you're going to keep giving her grapplers, this is going to keep happening, right? doesn't matter that she trains with Valentina the champion. doesn't matter that they're, that they're related by blood, apparently. Again, I'd like to see the DNA test. It, it, she just, she's clearly not able to fix up that hole in her game. And this is elite-level martial arts. It's going to get exposed time and time again. Jared Gordon versus Joe Selecki. So this, this, was, a, this was a greaser. This is a greaser that could have gone either way. And it's our first lucky bounce of the night. Because at this point, Perez just, you know, he he lasted the first round. That's all he needed to do. Good stuff. Uh, Egger looked really good, right? She did what she had to do. And Josh blew right through him. Malarkey, I wouldn't say that was a good bounce. He took the shots in the first round, but that was all expected coming in. Carol Rosa just walked right through her. Casey O'Neill, again, is another situation if she did lose the first round. But, I mean, this wasn't exactly unexpected. Now, the Gordon and Selecki fight, 
Close, man. Close. So I believe going into the fight that Jared Gordon's going to have the striking advantage. He's going to have a grappling advantage. And as long as he keeps his fight standing, he's going to be able to just box up Joe Selecki, use some leg kicks. He's been training at Sanford MMA. I did think he looked a lot faster in his last fight. Kind of looked like his athleticism was was being improved there. His speed was being improved there. And for a guy that's usually slow and plodding, those slight improvements would go a long way in just battering up Joe Selecki standing. Selecki, meanwhile, if this guy gets you to the ground, he's a problem. And that proved to be true in the first round. It wasn't a good takedown. It was more or less he just initiated a grappling exchange and Jared Gordon somehow fell over. He gets on top. Now, Gordon's a BJJ black belt and he did everything right on the ground. He did everything right to defend, try to get away from the back take and keep himself out of harm's way. My God, Selecki just floated on him. Like this guy's got excellent top game, excellent grappling. I, we're, we're losing this first round. It's a beating. It's going to be a 10-8 round, not because of necessarily big damage or submission attempts, but it was dominating. He took him down in like the first 15 or 20 seconds and then spends the better majority of three and a half minutes on his back. Nice little soft punches. A couple of them actually got through him pretty decent. Tried for the rear naked choke a few times, but just was all over him, like big time. So maybe like 45 seconds left. Gordon vet gets out because he's been doing everything right. He's just taking on an extremely talented kid who's fresh and they're both dry, but he eventually did get out. And that 45 seconds where he's able to get out, spend the rest of the round on top and land a couple little glancing shots. To me, that was the difference between a 10, eight round and a 10, nine round, but we a hundred percent lost this first round. Second round, it comes out and like, Oh shit, Joe Selecki's a little bit tired. That is the key difference. Now he can't, the takedown was, it was a bum takedown in the first round. But now it's not there. He is pressing the action pretty good. He is pressing up Jared Gordon up against the cage. But Gordon's doing all the work, man. He's doing all the dirty boxing. Landing knees up the middle. Short little elbows. He's outworking him in the second round. It's it, This is so clear case 1-1 going into the third round. It's like only a blind man couldn't see it any other way. So this third round, it's in it to win it. And Gordon, a guy who's known for notoriously good cardio and just won this last round on the basis of that good dirty boxing and that striking, looks tired and slow in the third. And Selecki is tired and a little bit faster in the third. And so the striking is definitely Gordon. But Selecki's not doing bad, man. Like, Gordon's landing a couple little leg kicks. The jab was working for him. He glances with a couple right hands. He is generally the one coming forward. But Selecki's letting his hands go because he knows he can't get Gordon down at this point, and he doesn't want to exert the energy. So they're throwing hands, and he's doing a pretty decent job. But for the first three minutes, in my eyes, it's Jared Gordon ever so slightly at work in him. Four-minute mark, you know, things kind of stall out. And the last minute of the fight, Joe Selecki wins the last minute. So... If they give the fight to Joe Selecki, I am going to dis kindly disagree with it. But I'm not crying robbery. I'm not saying, like, oh, I thought my guy won and he didn't. So that's a bullshit call. Like, come on. Man. It's a close fight. If you don't see it that way, I get it. But in my personal eyes, the first three minutes of that third round went towards Gordon. The, the last minute was, or the, the fourth minute was about a neutral. And then Selecki wins the last minute. So how do you judge it as a judge? Do you say, geez, that guy finished wrong? Or do you say, well, the only guy did the better work in this round. I went with better work. Jared Gordon gets a split decision. Wouldn't complain either way, but I thought he was the rightful winner, and he got the win. So that's a good one for us because he's another one of these. He was an underdog play. He was like a short money underdog, like, well, I don't know, plus 115 or something. But on a grand scheme of a ticket, that adds a ton, right? Absolute ton. And it caps off the prelim. So uh, unexpected at this point, you know? We've had the one sweater, and we've had a lot of good ones go our way, but Shit, man, we're like 7-0 after the prelim, so good start to things.
DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has a week five offer every football fan should jump on. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was 1943, so I'd say this is a no-brainer. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code DOP, throw $1 down on any NFL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a single point. That's promo code DOP this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and a $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Alex Hernandez versus Mike Breeden kicks off the main card. And I, we're, we're all invested in, in Alex Hernandez. This is a problem with parlays. And, I'm, and everyone says, Cody, you're the GOAT. You're the GOAT. Yeah, I'm the GOAT today. I'm the GOAT last week, whatever. But you get one of these fucking guys wrong, all of a sudden you're a bum. That's the way the game goes, right? So you don't get hung up on your losses, but don't get too hung up on your victories. In this case... Alex Hernandez, he loses the seven straight fights that we just got. All of that hard work that we just did, undone. So Hernandez better show up because he sometimes doesn't show up. But my God, this is set up for him to win in the sense that it's a short nose replacement. The guy missed weight. He's clearly not on this level. And Hernandez has got a chip on his shoulder. And he might actually fight a little bit better when he's got a chip on his shoulder. We've seen, we've seen versions of him. And... The Donald Cerrone version, too cocky, too arrogant, too aggressive, no good. The Tiago Moises version, too laid back, too lackadaisical, uh, taking way too much time, nope, no good. This version was like calculated. You know, he did storm him. He did storm him out the gate, but it wasn't like wild. He wasn't bouncing too much. You know, he was getting in his face. He was landing shots. He shot for two takedowns. That's where I personally wanted this fight to take place, at least for the first round, because Breeden was on a short camp. So I thought if Hernandez wrestled him in the first, then the second and the third round, once he tired out, they'd definitely be Hernandez rounds. Um, and Breeden stuffed both takedowns easy. They look like deep shots. They look like Hernandez was hustling, but he was unable to turn the corner. So maybe a bit of a red flag going forward. Hernandez's wrestling might not be like totally world-class, but didn't matter because that right hand is world-class. Uh, it was a forearm that knocked out Benil Dariush, but all I'm saying is it's big power. And as soon as Breeden felt that big power, he was dead on his feet. Minute 20, tough go, tough debut. Um, Breeden will obviously be back because he did them a favor. Better make weight next time. And for Hernandez, Great. Top ticket guy. Happy that he gets through and that we don't got to sweat it no more. And good performance out of him. You know, he's one of these guys you want to see turn the corner. I know some people don't like him. I personally do. Um, you want to see him turn the corner and pile up these victories because he's ultra talented and got all the goods to do so. Just one of these cases of a guy that might be in his own head. Just a tad bit. This is a performance that's a confidence boost. And the next guy is going to have a tough task on his hands because he'll have a confident Hernandez on his hands. Christoph Josko versus Misha Cherkinov. This one was also a greaser. Um, you know, you need the bounces in the sport. Shout out to my boy Clint because I think he ended up getting all the bad bounces. And brother, I've been on that side as well. Sometimes you're on the right side, sometimes you're on the wrong side. As the big Lebowski would say, sometimes you bite the bar, sometimes the bar bites you. Christoph Josko versus Misha Cherkinov. Personally, 
I had it as a 30-27 Jocko. And that's not to say it was not a close fight. It was an extremely close fight. I just thought Jocko did the better work. In the first round, Misha landed some decent light kicks, and he clearly wanted the fight to the ground. But Jocko stuffed all the takedowns. And whereas, according to fight metric anyways, Misha Chirkinov slightly outlanded him, Jocko landed the better shots. Now, Jocko fought like Jocko always does, which is stuff takedowns. As you saw, he's the UFC middleweight leader all time, I guess, in takedown defense at like 86%. So the guy can stuff takedowns and just lands little chopping shots from the outside. That's how he always fights. And generally, they are close fights. So he was just fighting like a classic Jocko fight. But Misha wasn't doing anything that Misha normally does. He's not a good striker, first of all. So his game's predicated on getting this fight to the ground where he can use his jiu-jitsu. Only his wrestling is A, not world-class, and B, He's taking on Jocko. He's got good takedown defense. Trains at ATT. Going to be more than ready for this. So I get the first round of Jocko. Why? Because he implemented exactly what he wanted to do, which was stuff the takedown, stay at range, and land a couple decent shots. A couple right hands actually snuck through. And Misha did what? He got stuffed on four takedown attempts. He pressed him up against the cage for a little bit, but got nothing doing out of it. Did land some decent leg kicks. You know, I'll, I'll give him that. His striking looked a little bit better by his own standard, but didn't do enough for my liking. Second round, Jocko outworks him. He's stuffing all the takedowns. He's standing the outside, and he blitzes forward with nice punching combinations. Is there much going on in the round? No, no. Is it a good fight? No, no, it's not. But Jocko's winning this bad fight. At this point, I do have a 2 nothing. Now, a lot of people online are saying, well, it's a 1-1. I don't know if they bet it. I don't know if that's what they believe, and I don't know if they're just looking at the fight metric numbers. And if you do believe it's 1-1, that's cool, man. Again, I'm not going to complain robbery on either side. Really not, really not. This is a close fight. I'm just saying, in my own personal opinion, this is a 2-0 Jocko. So now you go to the third round. In the third round, Misha gets the takedown right off the hop, right? Well, he kind of does. Jocko pops back up. Misha does a good job with the body lock, kind of presses him up against the cage. He's winning the first two or three minutes of this round. But again, it's a case of he's not landing any damage. He's not, no strikes landed in this position. He's mostly just holding on to position. If I just clinch this guy up, right, double underhooks, get a rear waist body lock, and I just press him into the cage and just hold him in this position and hope that the refs, uh, that the judges gave me the first round. And if I just cling on to him and they give me the third round, I'm going to win this fight. I'm not saying that's taking the coward's way out. That's hiring IQ, doing what you got to do. But that's not, you're not, you're not fight. Jocko's the one that's, getting back up to his feet. He's the one that's now stuffing the takedown attempts, and he's the one landing those short shots. And then he scores his own takedown with 15, 20 seconds left. And this round's up in the air, dude. Who the hell knows? But his takedown at the end of it wins it for him. So I'm not going to cry robbery either side if my man doesn't get this. Um, but you guys would call me a bum or a judge if I was sitting cage side and the other guy won and the one judge who gave it Jocko went 30-27. I'd be Cody Sautic, the bum, the bum judge, the bum judge. But that's actually what I did see it as, was 30-27. Very close fight, but I thought Jocko won. Nico Price versus Alex Oliveira, so I'm shitting my pants at this point. <clears throat> we only got three fights left. Nico Price is actually on the top ticket. I'd love to hedge out, but I still got Tiago Santos and Daukas that need to go, so it's, it wasn't like it was the main event where it'd be easy, easy hedge out. So I need to rely on Nico Price doing what Nico Price does, and that's overcoming some adversity, pushing to the end, and fighting for your dollar. He's another one of these guys. He classifies a junkyard dog that's going to do everything in his in his in his ability to win this fight. Persevere. And Alex Oliveira is not that guy, right? He's a guy that he generally fast starter and then just slows down, wilts away. You know, doesn't. I'm not saying he doesn't have heart. Guy definitely has heart. He's a prize fighter. He's given us a lot of exciting bouts, and uh, he's dope, man. He's Cowboy Oliveira. 
when the going gets tough, he's a little bit older. You know, he's not there to take that same damage that Nico Price is seemingly willing to take. And uh, first round, I mean, Nico Price is staying at range. I, I feel like he's playing with very hot fire. Uh, Alex Oliveira's got some excellent bounce to him. He's moving well. And this right hand is cocked up, ready to go. His hands are low, sure, but he fires this thing right up the gut. And if it hits you, it's going to do a lot of damage. It whiffed on the first, maybe two times he threw it. On that third one, he conked him. He conked him and he hurt him pretty good. Nico Price got hit. And thank God he clinched up in that spot. I didn't like that he was striking at distance with Oliveira, at least not early. He got to wear on him, tire him out a little bit. Once he was able to get a hold of him and kind of press him into the cage, fight eventually does hit the ground, and Nico Price takes over. He does nothing with almost three minutes of top control. Doesn't land any big significant strikes. Doesn't go for any significant uh, submission attempt. Doesn't even try to pass guard. He mostly just sat in half guard the entire time. But he is chipping away with a little short shots, and he does get three minutes of top control. So this is actually, in fact, not a good first round for us. He got hit with the biggest shot of the round and didn't really do shit with three minutes of top pressure. But this is good in the sense that we got out of the first round. And now Cowboy Oliver is going to tire out. Nico Price's cardio is going to take over. And this is going to be fine. And we got one rank, one round in the bank just in case anything goes wrong. So I'm happy about this. Second round. Oh, my God. This is like, I'm not going to call it bad luck. You know, they're fighting. They're skilled athletes. But this is what could go wrong in an MMA fight. You can tape study all day. You can see all this stuff. The plan could go, be going according to plan. Everything's good. And Nico Price throws a kick, naked kick, undisguised. It gets caught by Cowboy Oliveira, catches the ankle, and Nico Price just simply falls to his back, right? This is just a caught kick. It wasn't a takedown attempt. It wasn't particularly well sought up. It's just one of those situations where the guy kicks in, you happen to grab the leg, he falls over. And then Oliveira just gets on top of him, and that that's the round. Now, Nico Price threw up a couple decent submission attempts, but everything got passed, everything got nullified, and then he landed some good shots from up top. This is a cowboy. All this is another clear as day one one going into the third. We got a top ticket guy here. Like this is not the situation we want to be in. But you bet on certain people. You put certain people in a certain spot. It's just like you're a manager on a baseball team. You're like, kid, go out there and close this out. It's like, why are you putting him in? He's got a seven point three two ERA. You know, I got faith in him over these batters, and he goes out there and he pulls it off for you. It's like, why did we put Nico Price on the top ticket? Because if if it comes down to it, he's gonna do what the hell he's got to do. There's one one going in the third, and he did exactly what he had to do. Cowboy Oliver started the round off pretty good, first minute and a half, two minutes. I was actually very worried, but then he tired out, and then his body language is very very bad after that. His hands are low, he's backing up. The judges are thinking, oh, geez, he had landed the better shots through the first two minutes. In fact, he rocked Nico Price a few times, but Price is just still coming forward, and then Price starts rocking him back. And again, this is this is a who do you got until late, and then Price digs deep, gets the takedown. This is a Nico Price two-to-one. Boom, get it. But is this a walk in the park? No. And this is another fight where a two bounces go against us, and I'm bum of the week, not hero of the week. So... Uh, gambling's a bitch you know you want the bounces you do the work sure but you need some bounces and this is a close ass fight kudos to both guys kevin holland versus kyle Dokus. if Dokus was to somehow pull off a victory here this would be the most legendary thing of all times it gives me a direct hedge out opportunity in the main event we would have been 11 to no heading out into the main event little cody would be looking at eighty thousand dollar payday with a santos victory in the main event non-hedge i would have had come on i'm not an idiot um, but 
we need the underdog, a plus 145 guy to come through. And it seems like this is another one. And Tanina Shevchenko was the other one for some reason where a lot of people were writing in to be like, you're wrong about this. Like Kevin Holland's going to beat this guy. Doug is not that good. He's not his brother. This and that, yitty, yada yada. He's not a good wrestler. Uh, he's not going to be able to do what Vittori and Derek Brunson were able to do fair. And he largely wasn't. The takedown wasn't there for him. He dug deep on a few of them. And if the cage wasn't there, he was going to get it, you know? But the cage held up Holland well. Holland obviously did work on his takedown defense. I'll give him that. It was slightly improved anyways. But Doukas is winning this round. He's he's pressing him up against the cage. He's landing some short shots. At distance, Holland does land a couple of decent shots. Doukas comes back. He actually lands a decent little combination just prior to the headbutt. And then the headbutt happens. And Holland drops immediately. Now, if you're Dan Mergliano, who claims he saw, you have two options here. If you don't see the headbutt, whatever happens after this, you can't call it back because you didn't see it. Now, if you did see the headbutt, which is what he claims he did see, then wh wh why why would you not stop the fight immediately? You're watching a fight. You're refereeing. You're the closest guy to the action, right? You're literally right there. You see these guys come in, head clash, and one guy falls over like he just got shot by a gun. Why would you not immediately step in? And he says, well, he recovered. Who gives a shit if he recovered? Stop it right there. Let him recover. Give him five minutes. And then continue this fight. I want to see this fight continue. But he allows it to continue. So now he's making the conscious decision to allow this fight to continue. Whether that's the right or wrong decision, not my say. He allowed the fight to continue. It's live. This is a fucking live hand grenade. And Kyle Doukas does exactly what he was told backstage. Do not stop until the referee tells you to. So he fucking pounced on him. Now, here's another thing, right? Holland hits the ground. He immediately does recover. And he tries to retain guard. He even throws up his legs slightly. What if Holland was to throw up those legs and catch Delkus in an armbar? Or, or catch him in a triangle choke, right? He would have been hero du jour. He would have been the man. Everyone would have went nuts. Everyone would have been celebrating him. Being like, whoa. And do you think Merg would have ruled it a no contest? No, they would have been like, oh, man, that was crazy, dude. You made a headbutt. You went down. Let you continue, dude. I let you continue. And you pulled it off. Glad thing I let that one go, right? Whoa. No, no. It's Delkis pounces on him, passes guard. And you can say that Holland is concussed. You can say Holland is this and that. Delkis pounced on him. His ground game looked tight. He actually went for the guillotine choke. I thought that was money. Did you see the bite he had on that? Like, holy shit, he had a deep bite. Holland did an excellent job of spinning out of it. Why? Because he had his conscience. He was he, at this point, Holland is 100% recovered, and then he slaps on a rear naked choke that would kill a man. You know, that was that rear naked choke was so fucking deep. Holland taps out. I thought he was going out, I thought he might have been out, and he taps. Wow, crazy. He immediately gets up and immediately is like, Oh, yeah, dar, oh, crazy, oh, crap. Because he's fine, because he recovered, right? And Merg let it continue because he was fine. And they roll the bitch back and call it a no contest. Now, I'm not sour grapes because it was a good night overall. And the difference between making 80000 and 40000 to me, to me, not a big deal. I know I lost half of the value on my tickets. To me, not a big deal. Because this is a sport of bounces. And you don't fucking whine about the what ifs, okay? You take what you get. You be happy with that. And you be smart. And you invest it wisely. And you go forward. You're always going forward. That's the game. So I'm not sour grapes about it. I'm saying Merg made the call because he's the referee and the referee's decision stands. Then he exits the, the cage, walks over to Herb, and Herb's like, fuck, man, I bet Holland. Uh, hey, man, you can make this a no contest. If you don't feel good about it, dude, you can make it a no contest. Why don't we watch it? Why don't we watch it? Then they talk to Sean Shelby. Sean Shelby, 
He's the matchmaker on the car. What would Sean Shelby possibly have to talk to the commission about? This is a commission issue. Merg made the call in the cage. That should stand. Herb's intervening. As it turns out, Sean Shelby also got Kevin Holland on a ticket. Shit, God damn! Why don't we just call this a no contest? Everybody's happy. <laughs> so they do. And uh, straight up, dude, it was a fucking headbutt. So, like, I'm not upset. In another world, my guy went down with the headbutt and I'd be upset. So let's take the no contest. Like I said, we don't complain, man. We just move forward. And then Tiago Santos, Johnny Walker. So uh, now I'm looking at a $40,000 hedge. So it's like, just let it ride, right? Uh, it was going to be an epic night. What am I supposed to thought I was going to make 80, going to make 20 now? Like, that's just too too much of an emotional roller coaster for little Cody. So I was like, let's, let's this thing go. I don't think Johnny Walker is going to be able to stand up to the shots. And he either knocks out Tiago Santos early or Tiago Santos takes over late in the fight. But my God, this ended up being an absolute terrible fight. Like, not uh, not, not good in the slightest bit. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, you're excited. Nah, it was just not exciting whatsoever. There was a lot riding on it, so that makes you emotionally invested. But to be honest, Chiang Sanders wasn't on my top ticket. He wasn't on my second ticket. Was he on the third ticket? Pretty sure he was. Uh, he's on the third ticket. So I, I'm okay with it. I made money on the night. Would I like to hit a PRP? Yeah. Would I like everyone to be happy? Yeah. And that's actually my main thing. I want everybody else to win. And people are on Tiago Santos probably because I told them I like Tiago Santos and we're back in Tiago Santos. So let's go Tiago Santos. That first round was horseshit. Nothing happened. Terrible round. I gave it to Johnny Walker on the basis that at least he was kicking the legs. But Santos didn't try to close the distance. He didn't let his hands go. Barely threw any kicks. He just stood there. Maybe he realizes, hey, this is a five-round fight and I don't particularly got great cardio. So I'm just going to take my time. Find the distance, ease myself into this thing. But you don't want to be giving up rounds. Now, the other thing is, at first, I didn't really care because it was like, who gives a shit if he gives up a round? This thing ain't going the distance. What's, what's, a, what's around me, right? But it was also like, if you don't pressure him, he's not going to tire out. He's not doing anything. He's just standing at range and kicking once in a while and bouncing around. You need to tire this man out, and then you'll be able to find your shots. So the fact that he did nothing in the first round, gave it to Walker, and Walker's still as fresh as a daisy, that, that I don't like. Second round, Nothing happens in this round. And the straight up, well, I think one of the only reasons it ends up being a definitive Tiago Santos round, definitive in a round that nothing happens, is because it's in the apex. And he landed two good body kicks. And you heard a massive thud on both of them, like a smack, smack. And it was kind of one of those, like, whoa, this guy's throwing heat. In a large venue where people are cheering or people are booing at this point because the fight's absolutely terrible, uh, you might not hear those. They might have that same effect on a judge that's sitting nearby. But those two kicks actually ended up being the only thing that happened in that second round. So it's a second round for Tiago Santos. Thank God, because apparently this thing is going the distance. I'm firmly believing this thing might go the distance at this point because nothing's happened through two. We need to bank rounds at this point. So 1-1, one, one, we'll take it. Third round, it's like, okay, Thiago's starting to find his range on Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker's moving. He's not doing absolutely shit. But those long-range kicks from distance, they're not all of a sudden the story of the round. It's it's Santos is inching in a little bit closer. He's starting to land some better shots. He's not landing a whole lot, but he is landing the better shots. Uh, and again, the kick is there for him. He threw the head kick a few times, almost got it up, but the body kicks there for him. He landed a few leg kicks of his own and he just seemed to have the more thudding power behind it. The third round is probably the most clear and concise round of the uh, round of the fight so far. And it's a Tiago Santos round. So I'm happy about this. Now they go to John Kavanaugh between rounds every round. And it's at first it's okay advice. Cause it's like, Hey man, keep the range, keep the distance, touch this guy up, move. 
touch this guy up, move, stay on the outside. Yeah, that's actually good advice because why would you want to brawl with Thiago Santos? You're trying to beat this guy. Okay, perfect. But now through three rounds, this game plan ain't working, dog. So as a cornerman, as your chief corner and your coach, you need to make these adjustments. How are we going to do beyond this, man? You don't give the guy the same fucking advice. Keep doing what you're doing. He's not doing anything. It should have been like, we need to change things up. You're super dynamic, right? That right hand, you've been flashing it all fight. He kept flashing it, but never throwing it. Throw the right hand. Come back up with the knee up the middle, right? Throw two. Throw the leg kick. At this point, it's a lull. His hands are low, and he's so used to you throwing one or two at a time. Throw two. Launch a flying knee. When you hear the 10-second clapper, throw something. Try to. Your cardio is looking good at this point, dog. You're not, you're not tired through 15 minutes. Change it up. Change it up. Do something different. I actually scored the fourth round for Johnny Walker, truth be told. But it wasn't as if he changed anything up. It was just Tiago Santos did – the whole fight, Tiago Santos didn't do anything, right? Like, it was a little bit more than Johnny Walker. But he wasn't taking this fight and running away with it. I scored the fourth for Walker. I got this thing 2-2 going into the fifth. Not a situation I want to be in. But uh, Santos lands the better shots in the fifth, man. He marches him down. He started to have his timing. He landed one hell of a nice right hand. Walker took it pretty well. He backed him up. And the whole time, Kavanaugh, and he tells him right before the fifth round too, like, just just, just outpoint him. Just stay at distance. Outpoint him. Like, years back, OG fans will remember. Not even OG fans. Like, mid-range. Mid-range fans will definitely remember this. Newer fans might not. But, um... Greg Jackson, right? He'd tell these guys basically like, you know, don't, don't engage, stay to the outside, you know, stay to the outside, press them up against the cage. When you get them to the ground, just hold them down, position, position, position. And then of course, John Jones pulled out of the uh, decline to fight Chael Sonnen on short notice. And Dana White goes out there and he's like, this guy's a sport killer. He's a sport killer. At the time, I was like, how could you say Craig Jackson's a sport killer? You know, he he trains John Jones. He trained with GSP, not that he really did anything for GSP, but, you know, Rashad Evans, Keith Jardine, uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, like he's done really, this guy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. But what he was saying basically is like, this is an entertainment sport and you get paid based on entertainment. You could be on a 10 fight winning streak or you could be five and five in your last 10, but are a banger. And who do you think's getting paid more money? The banger. Yeah, the banger. Because he's collecting these fight of the nights. Uh, the UFC wants to promote him. They're going to give him these fights that he can go and excel in. They're giving him some money fights. And win or lose, his fan base is growing. When your fan base grows, you start to have more followers. You're All of a sudden, you're getting uh, promotional deals. And you're getting some sponsorships. And you've got a supplement company that wants to get behind you. And uh, you can start going to events. And you sign semin- You do seminars. Like Your, your, your personal image is good for business, right? And Johnny Walker has an entire career predicated on entertainment and excitement. That's why we love Johnny Walker. He soars through the air like a beautiful eagle, so graceful, flying knee, knocks guys out, throws these crazy spinning back fists, does the worm after the fight, you know, likes to break dance in there. And whereas Michelle Pereira had to get away with a lot of that and use controlled aggression, there's still controlled aggression. This was just controlled controlled. There was like, there was nothing to it. He just chipped from the outside and 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 that was it so he lost the fight for himself this is another close fight i'm not saying this is a runaway for tiago santos it was an absolutely terrible fight but instead of going to bed bed sad we going to bed happy because santos got the win so uh someone's looking up for us looking out for us from above the mma gods have been very graceful we've had a tremendous run take it for what it is you know enjoy the winnings cash out it's not about what you have as a number on your screen in your accounts about the money that you get out so make sure you take some out cover your bills 
cover your expenses, cover whatever you started the season with, and the rest of it's free money. Let's have some fun. Let's continue to do winning picks. But um, yeah, you got to enjoy these runs. We're just on a, what's it called in in blackjack? A shoe? Um, Yeah, man, we're on a heater. We're on a roll. We're on a run. Whatever you want to call it, we're on it right now. And absolutely enjoy it so shout out to mayo media network giving us the platform to talk fights all the time shout out to my co-host paul shaughnessy and pat obviously and uh, DraftKings sportsbook man they you know without them not none of this is made possible but they they're one of these guys that jumped behind us and supported us and have done a lot for us in giving you guys free content because I, I don't want to charge you guys i want to win, win my own money it's always been my plan give you guys free content but but DraftKings is making it worth my while to put the time in and, and do videos and set up lighting. I know my camera's garbage. Uh, it might be the camera. It might be my shit internet. But obviously, I can address it. Uh, but I, I kind of live out in the boons. Either get property or get a condo. What do you want? Property in the boons? Condo in the city. Better take the boons. Anyways, guys, let's try to do this shit again on Tuesday. And then we're going to roll up another UFC preview on Wednesday and uh, do the damn thing all over again. So shout out to everybody that tailed. Shout out to everybody that won some money. And if you had a bad week, then yeah, hopefully we can win some back for you next time around. Okay, take care, guys. Talk to you soon. Oh, oh, oh.